real estate blogging can get kind of boring after a while. That's the reality of it. You know, you just, how, much, how many times can you talk about property inspections before you, you know, you just lose your mind. So that's where the kind of community focused portion of it comes into play. And, you know, when you're super passionate about where you live and you love everything about it, you want to share that information with people. You are listening to The Real Estate Sessions with Bill Rissa of Fidelity National Title, Tampa District. The Real Estate Sessions podcast is part of the Industry Syndicate Media Network. For additional real estate podcasts, check out industrysyndicate.com. Now, your host, Bill Rissa. Hi, everybody. Welcome to episode 194 of the Real Estate Sessions podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you so much for telling a friend. It's how uh, the little show continues to grow. It's so much fun to uh, to satisfy my curiosity itch at the expense of my guests. That sounds kind of harsh, I guess, but it's what I love to do. And fortunately for me, my guest for 194 agreed to do that. I'm talking about Leslie Heindel. Leslie's with Crescent City Living in New Orleans or Narlins, or I'm going to find out how to say that city's name, NOLA, all that good stuff. I know it's called the Crescent City. But we're going to get a ton of information about uh, about that wonderful place from Leslie. Leslie, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. And it is definitely New Orleans. New Orleans. Okay, good. Not New Orleans. Where'd that come from? Just dumb people? Well, because I think, so we don't have counties. We have parishes. Okay. And we're in Orleans Parish. And I think probably the traditional way to say the word just got bastardized over the years and but we call it New Orleans. Okay. And, and you're a native, right? Yes. Born and raised. Wow. Uh, fifth generation. Wow. So let's, I'm going to do some super fast math. That's at least 1960. No, I'm just kidding. You're talking about the 1800s is where you're going. Your lineage goes <laughs> back, right? Yeah. My grandma keeps a very detailed family tree. So she's the one who informed us all. So I, I just have to trust her. Look, New Orleans has mm-hmm. some some history, some of it really cool, some of it not so cool. Give me give me some of the things we should know about New Orleans that that we don't know. Oh god. Um I think the one that I really like to like uh giving people the scoop on is that Mardi Gras is actually a family event. The, you know, common misconception is that it's, you know, debauchery and women just flashing and all of that. But that's really just on Bourbon Street during that time. The actual event of going to the parades is really a family affair. You get out there with your kids, you go meet your friends and you hang out and yes, you drink and you eat a lot of fried chicken and you have a good time. But like, it truly is um, where you bring your family. That's a huge misconception that all Mardi Gras is, is that's that that thing on Bourbon Street. <laughs> and yeah. having been to New Orleans one time and, and been to Bourbon Street, it's it that's not the most family-friendly place after dark, correct? No. And when you see people with their strollers going down Bourbon and the sun has set, you're like, you might want to get off the street, please. It's time. <laughs> it's time but, you yeah. know, Bourbon Street's more of a, a tourist destination. Not a lot of locals really go and frequent Bourbon Street that often. I say that my dad is a musician on Bourbon Street. So, you know, go, go see him though. <laughs> That's great. So what, what does he play? I Now I get asked some questions. What, what instrument does he play? He is a bass player um, and his band is Chicken on the Bone. And after, you know, all the kids grew up and he was able to go back and kind of live out the dream that he always wanted to 
to live. So now you can find him on Bourbon Street like five days a week playing music. Well, can he uh, can he play the stand up bass as well? Uh, I don't think so. I think that he would lie to you and tell you yes, but okay. I don't know. Only electric. Okay. <laughs> All right. I, now, so look, I'm a big sports fan. I don't know if you are, but I'm going to ask you this question. Then you can tell me what you think. I know the NBA is there. We're right in the middle of the NBA playoffs when we record this. You know, the Pelicans and and you know, there's an issue with some of their players God leaving. God bless them. Yeah, but but I'm going to assume that uh, the Pelicans are like way second fiddle to bring the music back into this way second fiddle to the saints. It's gotta be a saints town, right? They, this is a huge saints town. Yeah. I am a season ticket holder. Nice. I have a lot of feelings about the NFL, but I cannot give up the saints and no people, people support the Pelicans when they're winning. And I know, I know some diehard Pelicans fans, but um, this city is all about the saints. I mean, these guys are, amazing it's like once they get here because new orleans is so different from any place else we really embrace them and take them in and they become you know one of us i have to ask this question because it's you know it's, it's part of your history right i think we're 14 or 15 years away from katrina um and you're maybe nine or ten years away from the saints winning that super bowl and it seems to me that those two things got tied together never forget that super bowl oh yeah tell me tell me about that what that did for that town that's the hard thing, right? Because the way the NFL portrays it, you would think that the city would have never come back alive had it not been for the Saints. New Orleanians are just a special breed of people. They were going to come back and do whatever they needed to do anyway. I wouldn't say that Super Bowl was the most important to us. It was the home opener when we played the Falcons and Steve Gleason blocked that punt and the dome just lit up. And we won that game. And that was kind of our moment of, us being really back. That was so important to us. But the actual Super Bowl win, I mean, I cried like a baby. I was on top of a bar screaming the Hoodat chant while I was crying. It was, <laughs> it was amazing. The entire city just shut down and went insane. I feel bad for other teams that like never have that moment and I don't know if I'll ever see it again in my lifetime but oh just to cherish it <laughs> so look I grew up in San Diego never experienced a Super Bowl win and uh so I I sit here with the chills thinking about both of those moments I forgot how important that home opener was because they spent a full season on the road while everything yes. was being taken care of you know and, and uh more important things that happened in New Orleans and football at that time so I think that's uh Oh, that's a great story. I love that. Very cool. Steve Gleason is like the New Orleans mascot. I mean, he is at every festival, every parade. He is at everything. And, you know, he's got ALS and he's wheelchair bound now. But that guy just, you know, fell in love with New Orleans, stayed here, is raising his kids here. And just, you know, I, the citizens of New Orleans always feel like we can never repay him for that moment that he gave us. We're just really, really big fans of his. I, mean, I believe there's a documentary or at least a 30 for 30 about his story. Uh, well worth checking out. You know, I, I do my homework before I interview somebody. And I, I have to admit, I have no idea what, what the hell king cake is. And so can you help me with that? Because you said <laughs> that I should be eating that at certain times of the year. So during Mardi Gras season, you eat king cake. You cannot eat king cake outside of Mardi Gras season. It is sacrilegious. So there is Twelfth Night, which is uh, January 6th, um, and that's when Carnival starts. 
and then Carnival ends on Mardi Gras Day, obviously. But during that time, you can have as much as king cake as you'd like. It's just this sugary confection. It's some people call it like a big cinnamon roll. Um, old school versions of it uh, used to taste more like coffee cake, and now there's savory ones and ones that are filled with cream cheese and. It's just honest. I don't. I don't know how to describe it. I w- without calling it a cinnamon roll, but that really doesn't do it justice. It's just amazing. As much as you like it, you will not have any today. You just can't. Well, well, we don't sell it year round. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. I've never heard of yeah. it, so it's got to be a local thing. Yeah, it is. You can find a bakery that will make you one outside of the season, but any good New Orleans person will judge you for eating that outside of. Mardi Gras season. Okay, cool. All That's right. Just the way it, it's okay. The rules, you know. <laughs> yeah, I get it. Like, look, there's we got rules in real estate too. We're going to talk about that next. So, you head off to college. You go to college in state. Yes. Okay. As you head off to college, are you thinking about a career in real estate? Was it something that you wanted to do, or uh, was it the farthest thing from your mind? It was never on my radar. Um, I went to University of Southwestern Louisiana, which is now University of Louisiana at Lafayette. And it's just a couple hours from New Orleans. And I was going for public relations and, you know, had no thoughts in my mind about this. My mom entered the real estate world while I was in college. And I thought she was insane. You know, because she had been in the same career for so long that I was like, why would you leave that to get into real estate? So that... To me, I guess that's when it first would have come up in my mind, but it still wasn't like an idea that I would work in that realm in any capacity. Um, When I left school in Lafayette, though, and I came back to New Orleans, one of my first jobs was working at a real estate brokerage. So I got to see a lot of stuff before ever even venturing into the business myself. Was it sort of admin level stuff, Um, kind of helping out with marketing, that kind of thing? It was all like inputting MLS stuff and, you know, God, that's when they used to have like the big real estate books yeah. uh, that you flip through. Oh man, that shows my age a little bit, but <laughs> I would just be putting into the MLS, which is fairly new at the time and, um, and, you know, answering calls and doing a kind of transaction coordination a little bit, but very basic admin level. Then did you venture away from real estate for a little while before you came back to it? Was there, what else did you do? So I was a bartender for a really long time. Um, I decided that I was not ever going to be, I couldn't be strapped to a desk. I tell people I'm like a feral cat. I need to be outside and roaming around and getting in the fix. So I left the, you know, I left the desk job world and went into bartending. And I was at the same bar for 11 years. And I got to tell you, that was all the training I needed for real estate because people are crazy in real estate too, except they're just sober there. At least I think they are most of the time. So it it got me prepped for this career. You kind of stole my line. I've done 190 plus of these interviews and the most common occupation when I asked the question, what did you do before real estate by far is bartending. And I, I, I agree with you. Yeah. It, ab- it absolutely sets you up for success in real estate because what do you do behind that bar but serve people and talk to them and get to know them and ask them questions? And it's a cons- you're consulting with them and helping them. And it, it absolutely transfers over to, to your world in real estate, right? Sure does. And then even since then, because when I first got licensed, 
my mom asked me to come work at her brokerage just as like an inside sales associate to kind of help with some of their lead lead generation. And I told her, no, thank you. And then she continued to pester me over and over again. Um, and then finally I told her, okay, yeah, I'll do it, but I'm not becoming a real estate agent. And those are my famous last words before I then I was in the, I did the legion for her for about a year and then I started selling on my own and then I left the admin position and she was not pleased with me. So (laughs) (laughs) inside sales associate or inside sales agent, the old ISA. Let me, let me ask you a couple of questions about that because I don't think people like the average realtor doesn't understand if you're going to work an online lead generation system that the amount of follow-up and follow-through and work that's required, I think it's kind of goes unnoticed. They, they think it's people just call up and want to go look at houses. Talk about that. Yeah, uh, what, the, what, what that day was like, a typical day when you were, when you were handling leads and, and you were on that phone all day. It's just, it, it's constant follow-up. Hey, I saw that you favorited this property. Would you like more information about it? Would you like me to get an appointment with, you know, um, and the amount of times you get hung up on and told, take me off the list. I'm like, well, you put in the request. <laughs> you know? It's a, um, it's a thankless job. I, I can appreciate what people do. Um, you are digging through hundreds, if not thousands of leads a day to make sure that everybody's taken care of and taken care of in a way that doesn't feel unnatural, you know, mm-hmm. cause there's a lot of canned emails that can, there's drip campaigns that are set up and you, you know, those emails are going out, but without having like a real human sort of interaction with them, they know it's not, they know that's not a personal email. So you have to, at least I thought, you know, like you have to make this an actual personal experience and let them know there's a real human that's looking to take care of them. And, you know, statistically, internet leads take so much longer and whatever that it's just babying them till then, you know, oh, d- these are the current sales prices in that neighborhood and blah, blah, blah. It's, I did not like that job. <laughs> it, I can say it's, it's, a, it's a long-term play and you got to have the right uh, personality to handle it, right? Yes. I think patience is the main thing, but I can't, you're giving me flashbacks to it. (laughs) (laughs) All right. All right. We'll move away. We'll move away. Let me, so let's talk about you're with Crescent City Living, which, you know, the name of that brokerage, obviously your mom, uh, this is owned, owned in your mom's a broker owner, correct? Of Crescent City Living. That's Lisa Heindel. Mm -hmm. She was very particular and very focused on how she was going to create the culture of this brokerage. Can you talk about that? Lisa, I call her that to the, it's not, you know, like in the workplace where it's like, Oh mom. Uh, (laughs) So Lisa is very deliberate with everything that she does. It is thought out. It is meticulous. And she knew she never wanted agents that practice dual agency. And she never wanted divas because she had worked in other offices and then seen how that can really mess with the culture of your office. When you have people that you know, feel they're better than everybody else or, you know, have entitlement issues. So she built the brokerage with this premise in mind and it's really beautiful. Um, It's an office full of agents that are, you know, that collaborate with each other and help each other. I mean, I know at a moment's notice, if I needed something, any agent in my office would help me. It's special. So many people talk about culture in this, in our world today, and they talk about this, creating this experience, but to actually pull it off, is um, a lot more difficult than people think. 
Oh, I 10,000% agree. Cause you'll see people that'll come in to, you know, come interview and they, you know, maybe come to a sales meeting and kind of see what we're like. And we're not going to be the brokerage for everybody because some people, you know, have that kind of scarcity mentality that they hold everything so close to their chest and they don't want anybody else in their office knowing what they're doing. We are loud and proud here and we want to help each other. We want everybody to succeed. If you come in with this, I, I, you know, super secretive, you might feel uncomfortable here, but it's really great for those of us that are, that love it and embrace it. Let's talk about you and your business and how you run what you do. I love the fact that you love to write. I'm making that assumption, but I've, I went through some of your posts and I, it was really a post that got shared by realtor.com on Facebook that made me go, oh my God, why have I waited so long to reach out to Leslie to talk to her? But you really are talented and, and the blogging for you is a big component of, of your strategy to kind of share information and get to know people and connect. Am I kind of on the right track there? Talk about talk about your, you and your writing. Yeah, absolutely. So I was building my website and knew that it didn't want it to be a regular real estate site. I wanted it to be different and be more community focused and neighborhood focused, but there needed to be real estate information on there because my clients need somewhere to go. And people sometimes um, don't want to ask questions because they don't want to feel stupid. So I figured I would just answer all their questions in blog format and go into detail with it um, so that they would always stay really well informed. But the, you know, cause real estate blogging can get kind of boring after a while. That's the reality of it. You know, you just, how, much, how many times can you talk about property inspections before you, you know, you just lose your mind. So that's where the kind of community focused portion of it comes into play. And, you know, when you're super passionate about where you live and you love everything about it, you want to share that information with people. I enjoyed writing when I was younger. I never saw myself taking it to kind of this level with how much writing I do now. Um, But I really do love it. I typically go to Mexico twice a year to do all my real estate blogging though. And then the community focused ones, I just write every week. So you sit on a beach somewhere and just write for a week? Yes. For four days usually. Wow. Um, I was there in February and I wrote 43 blog posts. Wow. That's, that's awesome. But how, long, how long have you been blogging? We're almost at right at two years. Okay. So, so not as long as a lot of other people. Yeah. So if somebody wanted to do the same thing you're doing in their community, it's not too late to start, right? Oh God, no, because there's so much that's not written. I have a lot of agent friends that tell me like, I don't want to have to write about the best place to go drink champagne or whatever. I'm like, then don't do it. If it's not your thing, it's not your thing. But if you're going to do it, you have to stay consistent. And when I first built my website, um, so my web guy, I didn't have a budget at all. My web guy taught me how to build it so that I wouldn't aggravate him and then I could get it much cheaper. So when I was doing a lot of it, he said, well, I'm going to put a blog component on your website so that you can, you know, add, add blogs in. And my question was like, why do I need to do that? He said, well, you're going to need information on your site. That's how you keep it updated for SEO, et cetera. I'm like, I don't know what any of that means. He's like, you're going to have to write a blog, figure it out. So my first blog post was called, what the hell is a blog? I went into it not really even knowing what I was, I didn't know what I was doing at all. You know, I'm sure that first, like the second blog post was terrible. I don't even remember. But uh, 
no, it's never too late. And there's plenty of people out there who are not writing about the things that you're going to write about. And even if they do, it's still not your voice. So embrace it and do it. I love right. it. I really enjoy it, though. I think that's the other thing. I, yeah, the, you, know, the, you have to kind of like it. The passion shines through. So I think you're right. That makes a huge difference in, in the quality of what I'm reading. Um, the quantity, that's all you and the hard work. That's amazing. So kudos to you for, for sticking with it and, and turning, really turning, uh, what, what, let's give out the URL, your URL right here so we can uh, get people to go see that stuff. It's beneworleans.com. Um, and I tell people it's specifically beneworleans.com because people always ask. The realtor.com post that you saw, when I first wrote that blog post, it was not nearly as good at that as that. It was more of a, a rant because I had been so angry about some unprofessional agents. And I wrote this whole thing out and I shared it with one of my good agent friends that's living in Portland. And she's like, while I love it because it's hilarious and so true, she's like, I just don't know if you should really publish that. And I was like, okay, well, I'll just keep it for myself. And then I couldn't sleep that night. It was just weighing on my mind. And I said, you know what I should do is say thank you to the agents that have made me better. And thank you to the agents that are really doing their job super well. So I just rewrote the entire thing at like one o'clock in the morning and put it out there. And then it was received really well. And it made me, you know, it made me happy, but I wanted other agents to know the ones that are really killing it and doing their job super well, you are noticed and you are appreciated. My take on as I read that post was, oh, this was, this could have been like just the opposite and really just, you know, a, a, a rip, a rant, a, a tearing apart, unfortunately, a major chunk of, 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 of our industry. But the way you did it, there's still, there is still the slightest hint of, hey, why can't y'all be like this in there? So uh, once again, well, well done. Well, I'm hoping that some of the ones that aren't doing it can look at that and go, you know, even if they just take a nugget away and go, okay, well, that's a good idea. I actually should be doing that. Um, because sometimes when you're newer to the business or if you just haven't had great training, that you don't even know that you should be doing some of those things. There were new agents in, in my office that read it and said, you know, I didn't think about, doing that ahead of time. I think that's a great idea. And I, you know, now I'm going to implement it. It really is a love letter. And let me tell you, when I rewrote it in the middle of the night, I had certain agents in mind that I thought of that. I'm like, man, that woman taught me so much from one deal I did with her when I was brand new. I'm like a way to act or, you know, things to be prepared for. So those great agents make, make other good agents. Well done. And I'll, I'll put a link to that uh, post in the show notes. Um, and so let's talk about, you're not just a writer. You've got a bunch of different channels that you're, you're using to really show how much you love New Orleans. And, and let's talk about some of that, some of those different channels you're using, video being one of them. And is everything you generate from your website, is it all pretty much organic? Are you doing any kind of thing with paid traffic? What's your strategy there? I tried to figure out Google ads and I got real confused. So no, it's all organic. Okay. Right. <laughs> so that is the most complicated thing to me. <laughs> so uh, no, it's all organic and it's interesting to see what people have Googled to get to, get to my website. Uh, I think that is the fun part for me. So I'm in the middle of this project right now called 365 New Orleans that every day for a year, I'm posting a different interview with a small business owner or artist or nonprofit that's in the New Orleans metro area. 
because of those, they have their own landing page on the website. I've been getting the strangest things that people Google and then get on the site, but that end up contacting me. Like um, they had one recently that they were looking for a mobile massage therapist. And I'd, I'd interviewed a girl that does that. So I guess they found her, but then they also contacted me and they were like, Oh, well, I saw you were a realtor and I'm, you know, I'm looking at buying a house. It was like, wonderful. <laughs> I love that. Um, it's, it, it, it brings different things, you know, it brings all kinds of different people to the website having um, that portion of it too. But uh, I'm really big on Facebook. That's probably my favorite. And then Instagram, of course. There's one thing I've, I've really pulled away from your website, which struck me as um, a, a great strategy, but com- so underutilized. And that is that you openly state, I, I, I work with, ren- yeah, I work with renters. I love working with renters. And, and I think you're right. I think that's such a huge opportunity to take somebody and build a relationship that's going to turn into six transactions down the road. But people just go, I don't work with renters. Well, tell me why that's such a mistake, that, that mindset. Okay, I know everybody's market is different. So I always like to preface it with, I understand in your area, if you don't do rentals because they're not listed by agents, then you know, you're not forced into this model. But before I became licensed, I was looking for a new apartment and could not get any agent to call me back or meet me at the right time or do any of the above. It was ridiculous. So I asked my mom, like, oh, can you set me up a property search, whatever, for a rental? And she's like, no. I'm like, what? And she said, just look on Craigslist or whatever, because agents are awful at rentals. And it's so true. They don't follow up with the renters. They don't show up. They don't, you know, all of it is very true because I experienced it. So when I got licensed, I told myself, I will always be the agent for renters that will call you back. I will show up. I will take you to an $800 rental. I will take you to a $2,000 rental. I will take you to whatever rental. And while sometimes it can, I'm not going to lie. Sometimes it can be a little frustrating, you know, that you see 10,000 places with somebody and then they just find something off Craigslist. But that's the nature of the job anyway, right? Like whether it's a buyer that you've shown a lot of houses to and they're like, never mind, I'm moving out of the state, you know, but I just feel that renters need good representation and they need somebody taking care of them and they're not going to forget it because I make sure that every one of my renters is still invited to my client parties. They still get, you know, my Christmas cards. I keep in touch with them. Hey, is everything going okay there? Do you have any problems? Do we need to look for another place? I've got this one renter. I will never forget her. Her name was Catherine. I have shown, you know, we got her in a new place and it was nothing fancy, you know, whatever. Since then, though, she has sent me easily a million dollars worth of deals because of the way that I treated her, and she never forgot that. And so she just keeps sending me people that are buying homes. That's awesome. I mean, look. It's beautiful. Yeah. I mean, we, we, we have these conversations, uh, you know, either through the Inman crowd or uh, the Realtor Results Summit crowd, wherever, wherever people are having these conversations about the importance of loving on your database. I'm stealing directly from Valerie Garcia with that line, but- it really is. Yeah, if God, you can, I love her. Right. If you can, if you, and you're doing that. And I think you're showing that you can be successful, very successful by doing that one thing. Look, if you're, if you're too packed with other business 
and because it happens sometimes, I'm just too inundated with other things that a renter coming in because they do, they require more time usually, and they require a lot more showings. If be honest about it and say, I just don't have the bandwidth to take anybody else on right now, but let me refer you to somebody great because I have other renter agents that I'll send business to and they'll send business to me when we're just a little too busy. But I know that I'm going to hand them off to another agent that's also going to take really good care of them. And I just, it's so important. Why, why should they not be given the same great service that we would give to a buyer or seller? Leslie, I'm going to wrap this up. I've had you here a little longer than I asked of your time. So uh, it's the same question I've asked, <laughs> same question I've asked every single guest. And that's if uh, you could give one piece of advice to an agent just getting started in the business, what would it be? Pay your taxes. Ooh, good one. Continue. People do not explain self-employment to you when you get into this business. You are your own, you know, you're your own company, you know, per se, uh, every single one of the checks that you get, take a percentage out, put it to the side and pay your taxes quarterly. I cannot, I wish somebody had told me that from day one, <laughs> like it would have been a game changer for me. Um, but now I know better. So, but, uh, I just, I, I can't stress that enough. I tell it to every single new agent. It's so important. Leslie, if people want to reach out to you, what's the best way for them to do that? Email. That's the best way to track me down, uh, which is Leslie at CrescentCityLiving.com. Excellent. Leslie, thank you so much for your time today. I, uh, I knew I was going to have a great time on this conversation. You did not disappoint. Uh, I think you're doing some really, really cool stuff. And uh, I can't wait to, uh, to see the, the posts that come out of your next trip to Mexico. It's going to be sweet. Thanks. <laughs> thank you. 